space. Well, not really. Take two. Here, in the Mitten State, welcome to Code 47, bringing you all things Star Trek, spanning the quadrants, the best things since the neutral zone. Friends, back again. Welcome to the Code 47 podcast on the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. I am your humble servant, Trek Lord of West Michigan, Charlie Carden, joined by my sidekick, uh, the Northern Trek Surf. I believe he was trying to call himself <laughs> last week. Uh, Rich, Rich, how are you today? I'm good. That's pretty accurate, too, though, really. The, tre- I mean, the, tre- the Trek Surf. The Trek um, Surf Earth, I guess. I don't... There you go. <laughs> but this is a very special episode. We are joined by... This is our first, first, and I would say eminently most important interview episode we're ever going to do, because we are talking to uh, IDW comic book writer legends, the dynamic brother duo of Scott and David Tipton, joining us from the West Coast. Gentlemen, say hello, and hello, welcome. Hey there. Thanks for having us. Hello. All right, boy, it's great to have you guys. This is a big, big honor. So I'm going to just jump right into it. I've been reading your stuff for years, but over at IDW, you guys are known for uh, doing uh, a great adaptation of the classic TOS uh, episode, The City on the Age of Forever. Uh, You're known for such great works as uh, Star Trek and The Planet of the Apes, which I know Rich dug into uh, for the purpose of this. And uh, you're responsible for the ongoing Mirror Mirror Star Trek The Next Generation series, uh, of which we will touch upon only very briefly. Um, But I I have read a lot, lot, if not all of those, and and have enjoyed many, many of them. So um, let's kick it off with the question that we ask uh, anytime in any of our podcasts when we have a guest or a guest host. What is your origin story specifically? What is your Star Trek origin story? Uh, how did you guys fall into Trek? Scott, you first, please. Um, well, it's going to be a pretty similar story, obviously. Um, right. David and I both grew up watching Star Trek every day on KTVU Channel 2 in the Bay Area. Uh-huh. Yeah. Alongside our father, who was a big Trek fan, every, every day watching Star Trek and eating dinner. Oh, right. Well, there you go. Regular staple. And it just it, it seeps into your DNA. That's good stuff. So uh, from that, you know, you're a kid and, and you get into an adulthood. How did you break into the Star Trek business? What does that writing process look like? Dave, you want to go? Uh, go ahead, Scott. OK. Um, well, as far as how we got into it was at the time I was writing some Angel and Spike comics for IDW. And it was about the time that IDW got the license. And so I went to the editor-in-chief at the time, Chris Ryan. I'm like, look, man, Star Trek's my jam. Um, you can't just give me the job. Just let me pitch. Just let me pitch. I'll get myself in there. And so he let me pitch for it. And then uh, once uh, once uh, I pitched on something that they liked, that was when I turned to David. And I was like, look, I'm going to be bugging you constantly about this because you and I have such similar ideas about what makes good Star Trek. I said, come in and write this one with me. And if you don't like it, you never do it again. <laughs> and then <laughs> he was like, all right, we'll try one. And that was how many years ago, David? Uh, it's been a while now. It's been a while. Yeah. And then at that time, IDW was just taking on the Star Trek license. So they were really starting something from scratch. And they, and it had been a while since there had been any Star Trek comics. So it was kind of a, a whole new thing for them as well. Yeah, it was perfect. Really, was a uh, perfect timing all the way around. That is awesome. So that license, I'm trying to remember when I read 
the first one of those comics because I was, you know, I, I have read Star Trek comics since the, the 80s and then into the 90s. I love the, the second volume of the DC Star Trek because it was set in the movie era, which is when it comes to TOS, that's what I dig. Um, but when Marvel grabbed the license, I was in college. I love those comics. I wouldn't say all of them were super great, but I, I read all of them, I think. And then, yeah, it went poof. And then it made its way over to IDW. And, and I'm an idiot here. It was was it Wildstorm Comics and then IDW are they one and the same? I'm just I'm drawing a blank. It was, it, it was Wildstorm first and uh, I think before, before IDW and Wildstorm was like an offshoot at the time of Image, right? Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Okay, now it's all coming back to me. Well, that's awesome. Well, I, I have monopolized the question asking, but Rich wrote all the questions. So, Rich, I'm gonna kick it back <laughs> to you. It's your turn. I didn't just write all the questions. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to pump you up. I'm trying to pump you up. Thanks. Thanks. So you guys have have tackled a ton. Like, you know, Charlie introduces himself as a Trek Lord of Western Michigan. I would say you guys seem like the Trek Lords of the Western United States when it comes to this stuff. Is there something that you haven't done yet that you really, really want to do? I mean, outside of the, this huge mirror universe, um, arc that you guys have undertaken which by the way is fantastic what we've read so far mm-hmm. anything that you guys would love to just take on at this point after after you're done with that well we've been lucky i mean we've gotten to, we've gotten to dip our toes into just about everything there's, right. not, there's not there's not too many parts of the trek universe that that are open to us that we haven't had the chance to at least at least play with a little bit sure i mean we always want to go back to the motion picture era Nice. Mm-hmm. We, uh, the, that that first film had such an impact on both of us. God, Would you say that that's that's kind of our 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 biggest kind of like left uh, spot left that we want to get to? Right. Oh, God. and is that and, something? Is that something? That, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Please go ahead. I was just going to say we had been wanting to go back and do some more D Space Nine, and we managed to do that last year. So that was something that we were looking forward to doing again. So uh, D Space Nine, something that we had done almost ten years ago, and then. Uh, there hadn't been any D Space Nine comics for a while, so we were looking forward to doing that. That's awesome. And the the, the story from ten years back that was the was that the Fool's Gold story yes, from right. second. And mm-hmm. what what Jogman, what was the story that you guys got to do last year? Uh, we, we just finished the uh, the um, it was it was our uh, D Space Nine noir story, folks. Yes, yes, I I read that one, or I one of those. I mean, I'm a uh, I'm sometimes all over the place reading my comics. I'm mostly a Marvel <laughs> zombie, but I stick with the Star Trek stuff. And and it's funny to come to realize uh, when getting ready for this that you guys have written j- almost everything that I can think of uh, when it comes to IDW. So um, it's funny, you know. I'm going to spin off of something that you said. You mentioned the motion picture era, and it's mm-hmm. the the actual Star Trek, the motion picture. It's so controversial. Amongst fans, because people like to pick it apart because the style was very, oh, the uniforms were gray or blobby and they were in pajamas, <laughs> blah, blah. But the, uh, the the 1701, the Constitution class refit, will go down in my fandom of enjoyment of anything related to space is the most beautiful thing that has ever been created. I love that ship. I would live on that ship if I had my druthers about it, if, if any of this was real. Um in the, the lore of the Star Trek fan club chapter that, that I run and that Rich is a part of, part of the, the ship's lineage is one of those ships, the USS Petoskey, and we even had some art done about it. You'll see it on our website. That's us standing in the Monster Maroon uniforms on the USS Petoskey. So a little little bit outside of baseball, but, uh, you know, you guys clearly dig on that and stuff. I mean, what what's a what's an idea about a Star Trek the motion picture story just in a nutshell that you guys would love to do? Oh, we never, we haven't even, 
we have plenty of plenty of thoughts about what to do, but we've never actually got uh, kind of sat sat down and, and plotted anything out because that just seems like bad luck. That yeah. just never happened. <laughs> <laughs> Best laid intentions, no, exactly. So, yeah. um, Rich, right back to you. I, t- I took it over yeah. and I'm steering it back. Get back in that boat That's and drive rich. that sucker. All right, I'm going to try and dodge that dock. Now, I, I read the Planet of the Apes uh, crossover that you guys did, and I loved every single panel of it. It was amazing. We're touching on my two two of my favorite sci-fi franchises, and it felt like you guys maybe have a lot of love for Planet of the Apes as well. Is that is that the case? Are you guys big Planet of the Apes fans? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, nice. we we really like that 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 whole series. Um, I think one of the real uh, things to talk about with that book also was uh, the great art it was uh, rachel stott who's just fantastic yes. mm-hmm. totally yeah it was amazing yeah. That, was, that was her debut by the way that was her first work wow wow yeah and she just she uh, chris ryle found her portfolio when he was in uh, the uk at a convention and immediately just hired her up and and called us and we're like here's your new artist and we were like wow yeah yeah, nice. Rachel has a really unique style that I think really made uh, made the most of that book. I, I think uh, all the credit in the world for for that project as well. I think she's fantastic. Definitely, she, yeah. I, between between her art and the voice that you give these characters, it just it rang so much like actual like accurately. It rang very accurately as TOS Star Trek. I mean, well, I read I, thing, I read thing in people's voices. It was great. That, that was the thing, because that was something that, that, that IDW had been trying to get going for a while, and nobody could crack the concept. Oh, sure. <laughs> because, and, that, and that was the thing that we had the most trouble with, too, uh, was how do you make these two worlds work together? Because they're so polar opposite. Right. Nothing is more positive than Star Trek, and nothing is more negative than the Planet of the Apes movie. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. It's your oil and water. No, I can I can see that without a doubt. Um, I would love to touch a little bit upon, uh, obviously not looking forward to the the Mirror Universe stuff, but kind of looking backwards. And again, I've read some. I, I've read most, but but not all of it. I was right in the middle of of one of them when we when we took on this project. But something that I love, and and then Scott just kind of referencing the conversation that you and I were a part of when we were on the Scott. Trekker and David Mack was there as well is is the fact that Star Trek versus you know the dirty word Star Wars if you will uh, the Lucasfilm <laughs> group since Disney took over and, and again Rich I'm a Star Wars podcaster so is Rich so we're definitely yep. very steeped in the lore but everything that the vast majority of everything that has happened since Disney took over the license in ownership and then the Lucasfilm continuity group is that everything webs across is canonical. It's interconnected in this and that um, with Star Trek, with the exception of at least to my knowledge, two star, two Voyager novels from the 1990s, nothing, nothing published as canonical. And I would love to be wrong, but I, I was told actually by David Mack on that call that I was not wrong. So, that being said, looking at the Mirror Universe stuff, seeing how you guys have, you know, the Mirror Universe and comics goes all the way back to that first DC Star Trek run where, you know, it was post-Star Trek three, uh, and they, you know, and they were trying to take Spock back to Earth you know, within the, the concept of the comics, and they cross over in the Mirror Universe, and what they found out was that nothing ever improved the Mirror Universe. They were still kind of going about as their business, and Admiral Kirk was in play, and Evil Spock was in play, and yada, yada, yada. And there were novels about Mirror Universe stuff going, you know, between then and then. And then 1993's, uh, through the, no, it wasn't through the Looking Glass, it was Crossover, late DS9 season two. 
uh, flipped Kira and Bashir over to the Mirror Universe, where we saw what really happened. The Terran Empire collapsed, the Klingon and Cardassian alliance rose to power, Bajor was a major power in that, and it set forth, you know, DS9 episodes that happened. So, you know, short story long, as I'm babbling like an idiot, is that I have a tremendous amount of respect for what you guys did in taking the existing canon and still finding it, you know, the Terran Empire didn't completely collapse. It's just itty bitty 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 it's just earth solar system now and ships rolling around the stargazer is still rolling around and there's a picard and it was just i love how you guys did that i just absolutely dug it well thanks yeah i mean the 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 question of canon is something that comes up a lot and you know as opposed to lucasfilm and star wars there has been so much material written with star trek comics and novels. I think I would say a lot more than even Star Wars, wouldn't you say, David? Oh. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot. And the, the rules basically for canon different in Star Wars and Star Trek as far as the, the license material goes, as far as comics and other things. It, it's it's the, the way the game is played is a little bit different. I mean, Star Wars tends to want to say, and then, you know, you can be careful too, because Star Wars at one point had a whole lot of stuff that they decided wasn't canon, but it was canon earlier. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and in, in Star Trek, the rules are pretty much that what's on film or television is what's canon, and what's outside of those is supposed to fit into canon, but is not tending to canon. And so what usually people look for in good Star Trek stuff like that is does it look like it would be canon? Does it fit into it? And that's what we try to do. I mean, I, I think Scott and I try really hard at making it fit into canon. And, you know, if it's if it's good enough, then at least in the back of people's minds, they think, well, I can see that happening that way. That makes sense. And that that's a good way to think about it, I think. And it's also the only way to, to really be fair to anybody who's trying to write Trek novels and Trek comics, because there's just so much material, it's impossible to make everything line up with everything else that's been written. And that 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 would be just absolutely a fool's errand. So <laughs> the, the point is always trying to make these feel like they could easily have been episodes, and that they right. fit everything we've seen on screen. Yeah. Right. And it's, and to further, I have a different question. Has there been an occasion that something that you guys have have done and put it in a comic has maybe eked its way back in and again with, with Star Trek being off? TV from 2005 to, to 2017. Has there been anything that you guys have done that is maybe worked its way back into canon? Or, or do you think that that might be on the horizon? I would say I don't think anything that we've done uh, has directly shown up as a cause. I will say that we occasionally anticipate things that get popular again. Okay. You know, nice. Because <laughs> what often happens is that the, the people who are writing the canon material are, are now of the age where they like the stuff that we did. So all of a sudden, there are Edosians coming in because they like the animated series. Or Saurians show up because we like the Saurian and, and motion picture. And we had been using those guys all along, but now they're showing up. Yeah, right. I've seen you've seen that a lot with with you know for a long time the animated series was considered oh it, it's so far out from being canon we won't even acknowledge it in TV or movies and nowadays you see still you see things from the animated series from Star Trek the animated series popping up sometimes in in Star Trek so I I, th I think that's where you know things kind of evolve and like Scott said people who like the animated series as kids well they well maybe maybe it, maybe it's a little more canon than we thought it was. <laughs> 
Right. Yeah, no, I've, I've seen that. I, I know we saw a couple of incidences of that in Picard. I think there was a, there was a reference where the Rikers lived, and, and he said there's a Katinzi uh, Raiders where, you know, that's why he put up a security system. I, I don't know if I got the name of that alien race, right? Because I will admit the animated series is my one real soft spot when it comes to Star Trek. But you know the ones I'm talking about, the big bear people? Yeah, it's it Kazindi, thank you so much. Oh my gosh, how, how embarrassing! It's rare that I get stumped. I kind of go on the trivia nights for our region uh, in in Starfleet International, and I'm a scourge. I mean, they they hate my guts because I'll slay <laughs> anyone else. So when I miss something, it hurts that much more. You're gonna so, end up getting banned from those trivia nights, Charlie. I know. Yeah, they don't want to. They don't want to <laughs> see any me, more piece of me. So all right, I blathered for a while. Rich, take a stab. Well, I, I want to sidestep Trek here for a minute. You guys seem to have a, a quite a history with comics in general. Uh, Scott, you have a website, uh, blastoffcomics.com. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's where my, my, my Comics 101 history column lives these days. Right, I've been yeah. I've years, right? My weekly column on comic book history. Right, yeah. So is there is there a character that you guys would want to take on outside of the Star Trek universe, outside of what you have done? Because I know you've done some Astro Boy, and you mentioned Scott and or, um, um, Angel and Spike yeah, uh, stuff we, as well. We've but, gotten to do Doctor Who. We've gotten to Doctor do all, Who, all yeah. kinds of great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I know uh, there, there are a few things that DC and Marvel I, that you know, I just, I'm a huge fan of. And I know, but David, what's, what's it for you? You know, the one that was sort of like that really was Doctor Who. It was, it was uh, the way that came about was sort of interesting. At first was the, the crossover and then the standalone Doctor Who stories. And those were ones that maybe I, I wasn't, I didn't know Doctor Who quite as well as a kid as I knew Star Trek, but it was really a fun challenge to take on Doctor Who and, and learn more about it and, and work in that world. So I think that was like a really, a really important one for me. And you were able to kind of give those that kind of 1970s Marvel cosmic vibe in some of those, which I know that that's a big video of Marvel stuff that, you, that you're a big fan of. Right. And, and I think that's what fans of Doctor Who comics looking are looking for that. And I, we tried really hard, uh, maybe even more with the, the Doctor Who than with Star Trek, that we wanted those Doctor Whos to look like the Doctor Who comics from the 70s and the 80s. And because yeah. they were really looking for that. And I, I think that's why the the. the the, the book worked as well as it did, I think. Nice. So which, which fandom would you say is the most rabid? Doctor Who or Star Trek? As far as like you know, willingness, um, willingness to attack people for inaccuracies, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I'm going to say we have, I've never had a problem with that. I've never had, I've never had like a, a sort of like, you know, uh, 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 any sort of bad experiences with readers where they're, Attacking us on getting something wrong or disagreeing about something. Star Trek fans, like to a number, are I, I just just kind of like the most very laid back, cool. This it's about the material and they like it and they and they like talking about it. Yeah, I can't say I've seen that much either. I mean, what the bigger difference between Doctor Who and Star Trek fans is that Doctor Who is a little bit more on the space fantasy side as opposed to science fiction, like the Star Trek might be considered, and people looking for different kind of things and what they're reading. And so there's, there's a different kind of feel for those Doctor Who stories. I will say that the Doctor Who fandom has a tendency to kind of like wax and wane more as being more popular and less and more. It, it, it very much varies depending on how popular the, the current Doctor is. <laughs> especially here in the U.S., yeah. Because, especially, yeah, right, yeah. Right. especially in the U.S., yeah. 
Uh, in terms of, of, of fan stories, the, the 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 one the story that kind of brings to mind, I was at a convention in Germany, and I was signing comics, and this guy walks up to me, and he's got like a what looked like architect model maps under his arm, and he rolls them out on the on the desk and showed proceeded to show me exactly how I'd gotten the layout wrong on one of the space stations. <laughs> but then I look, and he's got a stack of everything I've ever written. He wants to have signed. I'm like, buddy, sit down. Let's talk about this 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 map because you're buying the books. You're my pal. Let's go. <laughs> I'm never gonna have a problem talking to somebody who's excited about Star Trek that much and wants and 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 just 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 wants kind of like drill down into the details. Oh yeah, yeah. Trek I, I fans think, are yeah. definitely. Uh, I'm sorry, I didn't I, mean I to. I think jump also on. the little the difference else is that if you're a big enough fan that you're buying the comics you're probably not going to be quite as much prone to the kind of outrage that some fans have. <laughs> <laughs> now, right, I think because- when we compare Star Trek and Star Wars, I'm sorry, uh, Star Wars fans are definitely kind of a little more toxic, I think. So I hate to say it, it th- yeah. though. I I've certainly seen, you know, since, you know, Star Trek has, has taken in the last, you know, four or five years, a different direction in television. I mean, the discovery was a departure and a different type of storytelling. And Picard is a different type of storytelling for that particular character that your toxic fandom can peek out, but you're right. Holding it up against the way it is, you know, Star Wars, since that came back to life. And, you know, once Disney took over, Oh my gosh, watch out. Yeah. <laughs> It's also important to remember that the toxic fans are just the loudest. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yeah. it's easy to think that, that, that a, a, a whole segment of fandom has, like, turned in an ugly direction. And, I mean, this is – I think it's much more a, uh, a, a symptom of social media than it is an entire fandom going sour. I mean, are, are, there, are there fans out there who express themselves on Star Wars in, in uh, very unpleasant ways? Yeah. But I don't think that's the norm at all. Yeah, that's good. And like I said, and I think even uh, last week on our show when we were recording, our our, uh, third partner is a nice young lady named Erin. We were talking about the fact that it's Pride Month and how we're very supportive of that because everything that is about Star Trek has to do with diversity. And I talk about IDIC, infinite diversity and infinite combinations. It's a mantra of how I look at Star Trek. And when you run into fans who are so dead set against actual diversity in Star Trek, it really makes me scratch my head. It makes me say, well, what is it that you actually like about Star Trek if you don't like the bedrock of what this entire franchise is all about is humanity moving beyond differences and exploring the stars and working with aliens and this thing and that thing. What is it that you really like if you don't embrace diversity? It's just I don't know. That 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 is a head scratcher. You you want to say? I mean, from 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 jump from episode one, what what was Roddenberry all about? He was about mm-hmm. that ideal, and you know, there's a reason. There's a black woman in a position of power on the bridge, and and the, and the Asian guy and the Russian guy. It's all about people of different of, of different like creeds and everything else living together. So, how you can say you like Star Trek and not get that kind of boggles me. Right. But again, like I say, I always could say that that is much more the exception than the rule. Right. Absolutely right. So, um, goodness gracious, Rich, what uh, what else do we want to ask these nice gentlemen about? Well, I think I've hit everything that I wanted to uh, to talk about. I don't want to keep them too long, but um, yeah, I, we talked about the uh, the current uh, Mirror Universe arc, at least a little bit. 
Um, we talked about Planet of the Apes, which I got to tell you guys, after I finished reading that, I wanted to go back and watch Planet of the Apes again, which that's that's how <laughs> good. The job was done. <laughs> yes, the job was done. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I, there, I will have. There is a funny story with with, uh, with with Planet of the Apes and Star Trek in that that was a very unusual for us, even more so than than Trek Doctor Who, because in this one we had we had like five different masters to deal with. We had our no, IDW and Boom Studios, the publishers. Right. And then we had CBS and Fox, the licensors, and then the Henson Estate. Oh All my God! Oh God, that's right. <laughs> oh, oh and, man. Oh my. The, the the I mean, and luckily, I mean, CBS is always great with us. We never have a problem with CBS. Fox was really, really easily easy, cooperative and excited about it, and gave us all good notes, but not that many. Our publishers were great, but the 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 the, the best note we got. Uh, from a licensor was from the Heston estate, and his only request was to tell the artist to make to make uh, Taylor's thighs look meatier. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> meatier! Let me All right. about that. Can't have any chicken legs when you're uh, I mean, George just, Taylor, right? Just getting to write a, a Captain Kirk Taylor fist fight. Oh man, uh, that would actually just hung it up. It's not going to get any better than that. <laughs> I hear you. I, I draw the line. Okay, parting question for each of you individually: favorite single Star Trek episode of film? Dave, you go first. Aww. <laughs> uh it's probably "Sitting the Edge of Forever." Would be my favorite, I would guess. It, it also might be. Um, the Doomsday Machine, but it's probably still in the forever. Gotcha, 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 Scott. Yeah, I I gotta go City too. I mean, it was my favorite before we got the chance to work with Harlan directly on it for the for the, the original Telplay graphic mm-hmm. novel. But then after that experience, getting to getting to know Harlan and work with him on it, and just the way not only how great that book turned out, and all credit goes to goes to you know that's Harlan's Teleplay. I always think of, of of us as kind of just carpenters building according to his plan in that book. And mm-hmm. J.K. Woodward did an amazing job on the art. It's gorgeous. I have such a soft spot in my heart for that book. It, I mean, right, even even though it's not exactly the episode they aired, City on the Edge is always going to be probably my favorite. And it worked out really well. But Scott and I, we got to meet Harlan. And Scott, I think you even knew him before that. But more importantly, we had been big fans of Harlan's work outside of Star Trek for years oh, before that. So. Sure. Yeah, so it was it was a really important project for us in that way as well. That is awesome. How what a cool. great experience, yeah. Well, gentlemen, God, thank you for this amazing opportunity. Uh, obviously, the, the next big thing for you guys is going to be the Mirror War, which we will see this fall, which we will absolutely not ask you about. Um, <laughs> but it's public information, so I can at least say that I'm aware of it. Um, yeah, but we're, we're just starting to get some artwork back on the first couple of issues, and we're really excited about it. It's just oh, looking man. really, really fun. I can't wait. Well, as soon as I am able, I am a digital comics reader. I will have a subscription to it when it is. I may have even already done it, but I'll have to check. But as soon as I do, I'll be subscribed to it, and it will be in my inbox. And we will – Rich and I uh, Rich and I do the comic book reading on this podcast. Erin is not so much. We're just hoping to get her to watch Lower Deck so that when the goes live, <laughs> she can break it down with us every week. But we're still trying. She He's real resistant. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I have no doubt that Rich and I have done a couple of comic book reviews already, and I have no doubt that we're going to have a segment monthly to be talking about the latest issue of the Mirror War, so you can count on that. But also, definitely, definitely. If, if for, for those who have, who were, have heard about Mirror War and want to catch up, 
just this week a collection of all of our mirror graphic novels together under one book comes out in bookstores. Nice, gotcha. And then, will there be a, a subsequent digital edition? Or I know oh, you can I'm go positive there will be, yeah. Yeah, gotcha. Very good. So, well, that being said, piggybacking off of that, if guys want to find, if uh, our listeners want to find you guys out on the socials, where's where are the best spots to pick you up? Um, I'm at uh, Scott underscore underscore Tipton on Twitter, and you, and you go to to blastoffcomics.com every week for my my column on comic book history. And I'm David underscore Tipton on Twitter. Awesome. Good deal. Well, yes, we, and, we, and I will drop those in the show notes as well. But uh, with that being said, gents, thanks again. And Rich, why don't you go ahead and play me out? Yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys. It was a great honor to be able to speak with you today. Oh, our pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. Thanks a lot, everybody. For more information about Starfleet International in Michigan and beyond, please visit the Grand Petoskey and the Nomad on Facebook. The Code 47 podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network and is produced by Todd Oxtra. Friends, as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Tipton Brothers, as well. Uh, as mentioned, we are a part of a great podcasting network of four great shows. We have a brand new website over at secretfriendsunite.com where you can grab episodes of all of our shows. This is Code 47, all about Star Trek. The Holocron Chronicles is all about Star Wars. Co-op mode is about video games. And every Friday since 2014, Secret Friends Unite, myself and Todd Oxford talking about geek culture at large. You can find us over on Twitter at SecretFriendsU. Uh, we've also got a great merchandise store over on TeePublic, ever-expanding. Show your love uh, for our show uh, and help support our effort to bring you great content. Uh, hoodies, t-shirts, stickers, magnets, etc. Um, so go find us there. And uh, brothers, thank you again. Rich, it's always a pleasure. And Absolutely. I'm going to tell you, as always, that sharing is caring and keep on trekking. And remember, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Or the one. <laughs>